0: You're listening to another life-transforming message from Awakened Church with campuses in San Diego and Salt Lake City. To find out more about us, go to awakenchurch.com. We're in, a, we're in an Unshakable Joy. Um, that's the series that we're in. And so I want to talk to you about Unshakable Joy. But before that, have you ever had a friend that says, if I'm being honest, and then they tell you stuff? Like you're saying something and they say, if I'm being honest and, and you're not expecting like a good thing, you're, it, it's implying also that they don't usually tell the truth. And so you're like, and now I question your integrity before you tell me this. So like, if, if I'm being honest, you win a new car. That, like that doesn't happen. Like when my wife says, if I'm being honest, I go to immediately to worst case. Did you crash my car? Did you cheat on me? Like I go worst case you spend all our money? You know. do you get new shoes, a new purse? If I'm being honest, it's generally not a good way to start a conversation. Um, but I think we've probably all done that. And, um, but today, today I want to ask you um, to be honest with yourself. Because I'm going to be honest with you about me, and I want you to be honest with you about you, because the goal of today is to set you free and to get you cleaned up and cleared up for 2022. Amen. So if I'm being honest, the greatest verse that will set you up for success in 2022 and give you unshakable joy is 3 John 1, 2, and 3. And this is John talking to Gaius, and he says, Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things. Say all things. And be in health just as your soul prospers. For I rejoice greatly then uh, when brethren came and testified of the truth that is in you just as you walk in the truth. And so John is, is talking to this guy, Gaius, and he's telling him, beloved, I pray that you would prosper in everything and be in health just as your, your soul prospers. And I remember early on when I came to this church and I read this verse and I heard that uh, Pastor David Yonghi Cho, who who is the pastor of the biggest church in the world, had this verse in his office. He's recently passed away, has this uh, verse in his office. And so I was reading this verse and I'm like, I got to get a, a revelation on this verse. If he did, I think I should. And so I went to Pastor Jurgen, and I knew the answer to the question, but you know, sometimes you just need like confirmation that what you're thinking is right. I mean, I'd been a Christian a long time and I said, Pastor Jurgen, I know that John is writing this to Gaius, but is that for me? Like, what's the con, like, can I have that verse to me? And he said, he said, absolutely. Like this whole book is for you. Like this is the heart of God for his people spoken through all the different authors and everything else. And so for me, that felt really good because then I all of a sudden got a hold of this verse for myself personally. And ever since then, I've loved, really loved this verse. And um, uh, your soul is your mind, your will, and your emotions, your mind, will, and emotions. And at this church, we talk a lot about prosperity, and that word might trigger some people if they're newer to this church, but it shouldn't trigger you because we actually believe financially that we are meant to prosper so that we can be a blessing to other people. We actually feel like we have a responsibility to do that, and so so prosperity uh, financially is an important part. It's part of all things. It's part of all things. However, it's only a part. And, and the word prosper in this means to have a good journey, to succeed, to prosper. Um, the most valuable thing, I was reading these commentaries on this verse, and they said the most valuable thing this side of heaven is to have a soul that prospers. It supposes regeneration and healthy spiritual life. And so, so we, we want you to prosper financially, but I think a lot of us have reduced the word prosper to just money. And you can actually prosper without wealth. If you couldn't, then how do we look at people in Africa that have nothing and they have and they're full of joy? They're laughing, they're smiling, they're full of joy. Now, here's the thing. I I I, I want you to prosper in all of things, in all things, but we've reduced prosperity to money. Prosperity is not money. Prosperity is, is in your soul. We, 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 we think of prosperity as, as external things, as material things. Prosperity actually starts here. And what, what, when your soul is prospering, when your inner thing is prospering, then your outer thing will start to prosper. But if we focus on the outer thing, then our inner thing may not prosper. But if you focus on the inner thing, your soul, then your outer thing will prosper. And that's how you have unshakable joy despite what's happening in your world. And so um, there's no amount of success that's worth like a failure at home with your wife or with your kids or, or, or whatever. There's the Bible says that, what is it to gain the whole world and lose your soul? Like it, what, what really matters? There's a, um, there's a story about um, this man. His name is uh, Millard Fuller is not related to Charles Fuller or Tessa Fuller, but he's a man that seemingly had the American dream he he started with nothing, and he 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 gained wealth. He gained assets, and and his life from the outside looked amazing. He had a he had a dream. It's a long time ago to make ten million dollars, and at thirty years old, he was already a millionaire. And he had a luxurious home. He had a cabin on the lake. He had two thousand acres. He had speedboats. He had expensive cars. I mean, like this guy was killing it, killing it, right? And. Um, But while his empire was rising, his family was crumbling because he was gone all the time. And one day his wife came to him and said she didn't love him anymore, or she didn't know if she did, and she left. And so Millard was devastated, and he begged her to come home, and and they met together and shared their hearts together. And fortunately, they both cried together and determined that they were going to rebuild their lives, but rebuild with a purpose that wasn't just about money. So they sold everything and started out on their new mission to eliminate poverty housing. So instead of a goal of making $10 million, Millard revised his dream to build 10 million homes for people. Today, Habitat for Humanity is halfway to Millard's goal as they have served over 5 million people worldwide. He says, our vision to eliminate poverty housing drives us to overcome the numerous obstacles that come in our path. And with God's help, we will achieve our goal one house at a time. And I have no doubt that Habitat for Humanity will serve 10 million people. This story that I got was from a couple of years ago, so I'm not sure where they're at now. But the fact that they have purpose in their soul. The fact that they have purpose to serve other people, and with God's help, they can overcome obstacles. I I believe that if your soul is prospering, if you have God's purpose in your soul, you can overcome anything. You can overcome things. It will drive you to overcome. And so I have no doubt Habitat for Humanity will succeed. And, and, And when you talk about soul prosperity, what does that really mean? To me, it means hope. It means purpose. It means peace. It means trust. It means love. It means unshakable joy. It means walking in truth. It means walking in your lane, doing what God has called you to do. That will cause your soul to prosper. And in my mind, the the greatest thing that we can do going into 22, if you want to be unshakable, is have soul prosperity. If you look at the story of of the rich young ruler in Matthew 19:16, he had the idea that that wealth and materials was everything. I mean, and he he was killing, it. he was rich, he was young, and he was a ruler. I mean, that's cool. That's pretty cool. And, uh, but, 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 he, but he was all about his possessions. But we pick up the story and he comes to Jesus. And he says, now one came to him, came to Jesus, said, good teacher, what good things shall I do that I may have eternal life? And, and Jesus tells him the commandments. He says, oh, I've done all those things. And Jesus says in verse 21, if you want to be perfect, go sell what you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come follow me. But the young man heard that saying and went away sorrowful for he had great possessions. Or what we would say is the, pos- the great possessions had him. Pastor Jurgen says that if, if, if you have something, if you own something that you can't give, that possession, you don't have it, it has you. Or if you can't fast from something you're doing, you don't have it, it has you. I've decided to fast coffee in January for a little bit. Just for a little bit. Because I haven't done that in a while and I just want to tell my flesh what time it is in the new year and say, I can even fast coffee. It doesn't own me. It doesn't own me. And now you can keep me accountable in Jesus' name, just for a little bit. (laughs) I mean, from 10 p.m. to 6 a.m., I'm fasting. That's it. The disciples were like, oh my gosh, how, does, how do rich people get to heaven? And Jesus says, with man it's impossible, but with God, all things are possible. We know about the story of the rich young ruler. But what I've found is most of our problems and issues aren't money problems, they're soul problems. Now, I would rather have money and struggle than not have money and struggle. But... What I'm saying is most of our problems that I've found are soul problems. And I was, I was a couple of years ago, I was parked in front of my house and I was just kind of, I don't remember how the, the subject came up in my head, but I was processing uh, issues and struggles that we as people have, um, w- deciphering whether they're money problems or they're soul problems. And so I started going through just my own life and things that I've struggled with. And, you know, when we have fights in our marriage, it's, definitely never a money problem. It's a soul problem. We blame it on money, but if our soul was healthy, if your mindset was right, if your will was right, if your emotions were right, it wouldn't be a money, it'd be a a soul problem. For us, it's a communication problem, mostly my communication problem. If my kids are lacking motivation at school, you know, it's not like a money problem. It's probably a parenting problem or... If, we're, um, uh, if we have unhealthy perceptions on things, that's a soul problem. It's not a, it's not a money problem. If there's been injustice done to, done to us uh, and we get offended or, or whatever, that's not a money problem. That's a soul problem. If we have demonic oppression, that's not a money problem. That's a demon problem. It's a spiritual problem. So like all these different problems, and we blame, you know, the number one thing why people get divorced is money. But actually, it's soul. My wife and I lost everything in 2008 and our marriage got better not worse not because because we had our soul was healthy and she could have easily said i'm out peace but she didn't cuz her her she she made a decision she chose to have the right mindset and and we you know got better not worse most of our problems are soul problems not money problems the the the, the um people say the more money you make the more of who you are gets revealed, right? So if you're a generous person, you make more money, you're more generous, or if you're bitter, you're more bitter, if you're greedy, you're more greedy. And I think the same happens when you lose money. Your true self gets gets revealed, like, are you really healthy in your soul when you have nothing? Because money can come and go, but your soul's here forever. (laughs) So when you lose money, it actually reveals who you really are as well. Um, Paul and Silas in Acts 16, um, I love this story. It's one of my favorite stories. And these guys are like a picture of soul prosperity. Acts 16, uh, you know, Paul and Silas are going around. They're they're turning this region upside down. They're seeing signs, wonders, miracles. They're preaching the gospel. People are getting saved. Cool things are happening. And, um, and it says, now it happened as we went to prayer. So they're doing all of these things, and now they're going to pray. Have you ever been doing all of these things that you feel like are right, but you end up in a place where you didn't think you were going to be. They end up in a prison. So they're doing all of these things right. They're on their way to pray, and then all hell breaks loose. They're on their way to pray, and a certain slave girl possessed with a spirit of divination met us who brought her master's much profit by fortune-telling. So this lady uh, was had a spirit of divination. She would fortune-tell. They would make money, and she would pay her, her uh, master's. And so when Paul, she was taunting Paul, Paul gets annoyed, the Bible says, casts out the demon, and then all of a sudden, her masters aren't making any money, so they get all upset. Verse 22 says, then the multitude rose up together against Paul and Silas, and the magistrates tore off their clothes and commanded them to be beaten with rods. How many people are happy that we didn't kind of carry on the tradition of tearing off our clothes? You know, like... They're always like tearing off their clothes. It's like, this week's communion, next week is we're going to tear off our clothes. Can you imagine the new people? If you're new here today, you know. That's why like in the Bible you had to be in shape because you never know if you had to, you know, tear off your clothes. Anyways, um, in verse 23 it says, And when they had laid many stripes on them, they threw them into prison. Commanding the jailer to keep them securely, so having received the charge, this jailer put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in stocks. So this is like the inner prison. This is like not like today's prisons where there's like a gym and stuff. Like this is like the inner prison where you can't see your your hand in front of your face. It's so dark. They're fastened. They've been beaten. There's rodents, it's damp, it's disgusting. That's the kind of prison that they were in, securely fastened into this type of prison. And I believe this, I believe that Paul and Silas probably had a moment of questioning. I believe that they were probably like, God, signs, wonders, miracles, preaching, this is what you called us to do. We're on our way to pray and then this freaking demon's annoying us, so I cast them out, that's a good thing. Now all of a sudden I'm in this prison like, what is happening what is happening? But then the Bible says, but at midnight. Say, but at midnight. But at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and prisoners were listening to them. I believe they came together and said, enough is enough. At midnight, we're going to pray. At midnight, we're going to sing songs. At midnight, we're going to say, bless the Lord, oh my soul, and all that is within me. Despite what their soul was thinking, they were going to make a decision to praise God. They're going to make a decision to shift things. And it's interesting that happened at midnight, because midnight is a transitional time. And so from this day to that day, from night to day, it's a transitional moment. And they said at that time, we're going to shift something. And they began to prosper in their souls. They were healthy in their souls, and as soon as they did that, everything changed. The other thing is, everybody's listening to them. Did you know that when you're at some of your darkest moments, people are going to be watching you, saying, "How is this guy going to handle this?" How is he going to respond to this? Is he really a Christian? And then the Bible says that suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were open and everyone's chains were loosed. So because Paul and Silas had souls that were prospering, they probably weren't thinking about, oh my gosh, I don't have any money right now, or oh my gosh, my marriage, they were prospering in their soul. And because they were prospering in their soul, heaven invaded that prison and loosed them and everybody around them. Your soul's prosperity is going to affect other people. We got to keep healthy in our souls. We got to keep healthy in our souls. Now, your soul is your mind, will, and emotions, but your mind is not your brain, and your brain is not your mind. That's why it's called a mindset, not a brain set. But the mind uses the brain, says Carolyn Leaf. Are you guys ready for some neuroscience? The brain, or sorry, the mind uses the brain... And the brain responds to the mind. The mind also changes the brain. People choose their actions, their brains don't force them to do anything. The mind is energy and it generates energy through thinking, feeling, and choosing mind, will, and emotions. That's what that is. It is our aliveness, without which the physical brain and body would be useless. That means we are our mind. And our mind in action is how we generate energy in the brain. The Bible says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. This is a major part of the activity we pick up with brain technology, says Caroline Lee, a neuroscientist. When we generate this mind energy through thinking, feeling, and choosing, we build thoughts, which are physical structures in our brain made of proteins. This building of thoughts creates structural changes in the brain called neuroplasticity. So actually the the things that we think about turn into structural physical proteins in your brain and it builds structures in your brain. New neurological pathways called neuroplasticity. The Bible says, do not be conformed to this world, rather be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you know what the will of God is. If you want to have a healthy soul, put your will in alignment with the will of God. How do you do that? By renewing your mind and you're building structures in your brain. That's why it's important to be in church. That's why it's important to be in worship. It's important to read this thing so that you can build the correct structures. This girl came up to me after last service and she says, I study neuroplasticity. I thought she was going to say, what you said doesn't make any sense. (laughs) She was like, she was like, what you're saying is right on. I can't believe the Bible lines up with neuroplasticity. She was, her mind was blown. She just started coming to our church. The mind is a stream of non-conscious and conscious activity when we're awake and the stream of non-conscious activity when we're asleep. I was talking to this young lady the other day and she was talking about how when she dreams and like there's a, there's an attack, like a, a demonic attack, her first response in her dream is to cast out the devil, is to say in Jesus name, which tells me that her unconscious mind has structures that have been built and that her brain is responding to the way she thinks. It's, ca- it's characterized by a triad of thinking, feeling, and choosing. When you think, you feel. When you think and feel, you choose. These three aspects always work together: mind, will, and emotions. This essentially means each time, each time your brain is uh, stimulated by your mind, it responds in various ways, including neurochemical, genetic, and electromagnetic. This in turn grows and changes structures in the brain building or wiring new physical thoughts. Ultimately, it means you can choose what you build into your brain and how you choose to change what's already built in. So this should be good news to us. This tells me that we can actually change the way we've been thinking and it will physically change our brain. To think in new different ways. Like, like, this is encouraging. This should be an encouraging verse, or, or sorry, article for you that you can change your brain by the things that you think about. It's mind-blowing. It's mind-blowing. Neuroplasticity. Recently, the reason I tell this, tell this story and share that uh, article is because I started building bad structures in my mind, in my brain. I can, the worship team can come up. I started building all these bad structures in my brain because of the way that I was thinking. And after getting through it, I I was looking back and I think it started back in July when my wife and I went to Cabo San Lucas on vacation. And while we were in Cabo San Lucas on vacation on the second day, my brother-in-law, her brother got hit by a car. He got hit by a car and he was, he was severely injured. And so we spent the next eight days instead of on vacation fighting for his life. We were in the hospital every day praying. We were, uh, authorizing all these different surgeries. It was a, it was a total mess. And so we were praying and believing for him, uh, this whole week. And, and things started out looking good and then they quickly started to look bad. And we had prayed every prayer. Like I confessed every verse I knew. I prayed every prayer I knew. I spoke in tongues. I, you know, whatever so we finally got into the hospital this, this one day and we just said, hey, you know what? I just said, let's just pray, play worship and invite the presence of God in because I don't know what else to do. So we so we pr- played worship songs and felt the presence of God. And I've been doing this a little bit of time now. And so I know what the presence of God feels like. I know what it feels like when the presence of God enters a room. I know what it feels like when the presence of God comes in behind me and comes down through my arm and I can release it onto people. I know what that feels like. And so when I felt the presence of God, I felt like, okay, I'm just gonna go pray for him again. And so I go and lay my hands on, on him and he's, he's unconscious, but he can hear. And uh, so I lay my hands on him and... and and I feel the power of God go through my body, through my, through my arm, but stop at my wrist. In other words, it didn't release into his body. And at that moment, I knew in my spirit, I don't know how I knew, but this is what I knew in my spirit, that he actually didn't want to come back. He actually didn't want to get healed. That's what I felt in my spirit. And the reason is because I think he had some struggles in his soul. And he was obviously very, very injured. It would have been a very long recovery period for him had he come out of this coma that he was in. And so I I, I really believe that that he didn't want to get healed. He might have had conversations with Jesus, might have seen angels, might have seen heaven. I don't really know. But he was a Christian. And so um, when I didn't feel that power leave me, I knew something, something, something was done. I knew it was over. Later, my wife said the same thing on the same day. She felt the same, but we didn't say it out loud because we didn't want to not speak faith in the moment. So, so he, he passed away on, on July 5th. While we were also in Cabo San Lucas uh, was the same time that you guys might remember, we were going for a building in Scripps Ranch as a church, as another kind of Balboa campus. And, and we thought we had it. There was 13 offers. It was down to like three or four. We were the highest offer, yet the seller chose a different a different buyer. That was also while I was in Cabo. And so that, that really like gouged me. Like I thought we had it. And because I was kind of leading the charge on that, I started to you know, look inwardly. And so, and so uh, I think that was the start, those kind of little, two little traumas um, was the start of me beginning to build bad structures in my mindsets, which was affecting my brain. And I started to feel very anxious like just out of nowhere. I'm not an anxious person, but I would feel anxious. Like, and I didn't know why I started to feel very unworthy to do what I'm doing. I felt very unanointed at what I was doing. And so I, you know, I, I preached multiple times during this sort of struggle since, since like July. And I had people tell me like, I've never heard you at that level. Like You know, the anointing is increasing and all this kind of stuff. People that I know would tell me the truth that, you know, weren't just making stuff up. But I would dismiss those words and just say, oh, we just go to like an encouraging church because we do. You know, it's like, so I'm just like, they just probably said that because, you know, we go to encouraging church and whatever. And so I'm, I'm, I'm given everything I have, like when I'm speaking, leading or whatever, but I just don't feel it. You know, you just don't feel it. Like I felt out of the flow, but I was still getting results because there's a gift and there's an anointing that God puts on you. And so even if, you know, things aren't going well internally, sometimes you can still have success externally because God cares about you just as much as he cares about me. So he wants to get, so there's all these things happening. And so I started looking at my, my life and, and I, and I realized like my life's pretty good like I'm married to an absolutely stunning woman who's one of the most loving and caring people that I know, one of the most fun people that I know. And I'm like, and I look at my kids and they're all healthy and they're all like doing really good in school. And I look at my church and I'm like, this is the greatest church in the world. Like, I really believe that. We have the greatest pastors in the world, the greatest people in the world. I live in America's finest city. My house is pretty cool. Like, like things are pretty good, but yet I was feeling unworthy. I was feeling unanointed. I was feeling like life had passed me by. I was feeling like I've been wasting my time the last 10 years in ministry. I felt like anybody can do what I'm doing. Why, why, why am I doing this? Why have I put myself through this? I could just go do something out there and it would be way less stressful and I could make more money. And I could, so why am I doing this? Why am I putting myself through this? And I was coming up on my 47th birthday and, you know, like, I don't know. It's like I'm getting older and I thought I'd be further along. And just all of these things were coming. And then I started to feel envy with other people. I started to feel jealous of other people's situations and circumstances and people that I love, people that are my friends, people that, like, I love. And, and then I started feeling prideful. So I'm like... I don't need anybody. I could could take care of this myself or who cares? And so because I kind of disconnected in a sense from people emotionally around me, I started to feel lonely. Started to question friendships. Started to like, like you name it. (laughs) I was feeling it because I've had so many different surgeries on my knee and my knee wasn't isn't great? I'm like starting to say, I can't even play with my kids. I mean, like it was, it was just like Dee! everything you could think of. So I'm like, Becky's out of town, and I'm, I'm asleep, and I wake up in the middle of the night, and my heart is beating, and I'm so anxious, and I'm like, God, what is going on? Like, help me. Like I've been praying. I read my Bible every day. Paul and Silas. I was, think I was doing stuff right. Like I give. <laughs> And God's like, 3 John 2, beloved, I pray that you would prosper and be in health just as your soul prospers. He was speaking to me about my soul, and I was looking externally at everything. How come I'm not doing that? How come I'm not doing that? How come my kids aren't that? How come that guy's doing that? God's like, look internally It's your soul. That's the problem. If you can get your soul healthy, all this stuff will line up. So I'm like, great, Lord, how do I do it? And so it reminded me that he was talking to me about purity recently. And so Matthew 5, 8, I started looking, I started taking inventory. Matthew 5, 8 says, blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see God. And what I've realized is the more responsibility you get, the more money you make, the more people you influence, the more things you're involved with, the more you got to see God or you're going to be lost because if you can't see him, you're going to look at the things around you and your soul is going to fall apart. you got to be able to see God. And according to this verse, the more pure in hearts you are, the easier you can see him. So the Holy Spirit is holy. He can't rest on unholy. He can't rest on impurities. He can't stay with you if you're unrighteous. The reason the Holy Spirit descended on Jesus like a dove and remained is because Jesus was holy. He was perfect. He was righteous. He remained. Jesus could see God fully. There was no separation. There was no sin. The Bible says fleshly, less war against the soul. But Jesus was in full alignment. No separation. He was pure. So purity is clarity. The purer you are, the easier you can see. And the easier you can see the better you can obey, which puts your soul in a good position. Purity is valuable. The more pure gold is, the more valuable it is. The more pure we are, the more valuable we become. Why? Because God can trust you. You become valuable. You're gonna be a good example. Something hits his life, his soul's okay. He's valuable. That's why David said in, in Psalm 139, search me, O God. And know my heart, try me and know my anxieties. See if there's any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. David was like, I want to be pure. I want my heart to be pure. I want to see God. Purity is potency, it's strength. The more pure something is, the the more potent it is. Even like a a drug, the more pure a drug is, the more devastating it can be. That's why you don't drink lemon juice, you drink lemonade. Lemonade. Because pure lemon juice will make you pucker. Lemonade will make you smile. Purity is potency. Jesus was potent in his ministry because there was zero separation. He was pure. There was no separation. There was no interference between the power of God and wisdom. He always had an answer. He always had something to say. He always had enough power for whoever came to him. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. Like, are you kidding me? Looking at the cross with joy? You must have a healthy soul. But I was still, if I'm being honest, separate, feeling separated from God a little bit. Even though I was taking inventory of my life, like my thought life, like should I drink that glass of wine or am I being healthy? What am I eating? Like I was just looking at everything in my life, and, and wondering if, it, if it's pure, if that's what's kind of blocking my relationship with God. And so I, I went through things, but then I had my Paul and Silas midnight moment. I had this transitional moment when I read the Bible one morning. This is Thanksgiving week, this is very new. James 3 14 to 17. And it says, but if you have bitter envy and self seeking in your hearts, do not boast and lie against the truth. This wisdom does not descend from above, but is earthly, sensual, and demonic. For where envy and self seeking exist, confusion and every evil thing are there. But wisdom is from above, is first pure. Peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy, good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. It's like when I read that verse, it was my midnight moment. That verse jumped out at me. And I was like, this is what I've been waiting for. I've been self-seeking. I've been trying to do it by myself. I've been only thinking about myself. Like, how do I get out of this? How come I can't be doing that? How come I'm not doing this? How come I can't be better at that? I'm self-seeking, and it caused me to be envious. And then every evil thing, every voice. And I was so confused. Like, how do I get out of this mess? It's because every evil thing was chirping in my ear. And I started to believe it after a while. I started to agree with it. I'm a freaking pastor. So so right when I read this verse, I was like, okay, devil, your hand has been exposed. Now I know what to do. Now I know how to get rid of you. And so I went on a prayer walk. I put on my headphones, prayer and worship, Paul and Silas, midnight moment. And I started to pray and I started to worship. And as I was walking on my prayer walk, I remember where I was because I always go the same way. And I was right in front of the 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 flowers on the the hill. And I was right there and I started delivering myself from envy and jealousy and pride. I started breaking contract with the agreements that I've made that my life isn't worthy, that life has passed me by. that I'm unanointed. I started breaking contract and delivering myself and I felt light. Like I felt like I lost 50 pounds as I was walking. Weight was just falling off of me. It was unbelievable. And I started to laugh and get giddy and smile. Like it was, it was if you've been delivered, you know what I'm talking about. You feel light. I was like, oh my gosh. And then since that time, I've just been declaring who I am, not what the devil was telling me I was. And I, and I re-implemented some things that I had forgotten about. One, one little trick. When I start my prayer walk, I like to say, today is a day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice. I will rejoice. doesn't matter what I'm facing. I will rejoice. Soul, you will rejoice and be glad in it. And then I smile because your physiology affects your soul. If you're moping around all the time, you're going to be depressed. But if you're walking like this and you're smiling, you're going to be happy. That's how I start my prayer walk and it's working. And I'd be remiss to tell you that I haven't heard the voices, but they're so quiet and they have no authority. It's like, get out. I can recognize you now because I've been free. I've been free. And then to finish it all off, one of my friends, they organized a little birthday thing for us for me, for me and Pastor Charles, and we went out, we hung out with just like three or four couples, and we we were at this um, this vineyard, and we went around, and we're just saying nice things about each other, and like everything that they said about me flew in the face of the lies that the devil had been speaking to me over the last four or five months. It was like, it was just kind of like the nail in the coffin, and I literally felt like free like free after uh, like, what's four or five months of, of kind of, I felt free. I felt light. I felt happy again. I felt like rejoicing again. I felt like a, like I could celebrate with people again. And, and it was this this feeling. And you know what? It wasn't, even though November was our greatest month this year, financially, personally, it wasn't the money that pulled me into prosperity. It was my soul, it was my spirit connecting with God, and it was my friends that were telling me things. It was the community that I had around me. It was my friends. It was like the the very people that I started questioning were the very people that put life back into me. It was unbelievable. So now I'm free. And right now, I wanna set you free. I wanna do what I did, what God did to me, to you. If you would be so brave, I want us all to stand. If you're being honest, With yourself, and you're struggling with envy, with jealousy, with pride, with feeling unworthy, with feeling like you should be further along, life's passed you by, you're wasting your time, like any of that stuff. I want you to just raise your hand and I'm gonna pray for you. We're gonna see God move. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Just, just I'm going to pray. I just want you to receive freedom right now. I want you to come into agreement with the word of God. Father, I thank you that, God, the goal, your prayer for us is that we would prosper in all things just as our soul prospers. So, Holy Spirit, we invite you into our souls, our mind, our will, our emotions. And we thank you that you love us That you created us as we are. And for us to deny ourselves is to to deny what you've created. And right now, in the name of Jesus, the healer and the deliverer, I come against pride, I come against envy, I come against jealousy. I come against fear of the future because of what's happened in my past. I come against unworthiness in the name of Jesus. Right now, I command you, evil, disgusting spirits, to lose the people of God. Let them go right now. Release them. Let them go. Let them go. Pride goes. Envy goes. Jealousy goes. Unworthiness goes in Jesus' name. Right now I break agreements with unworthiness. I break agreements with I'm never gonna be good enough, with life has passed me by, with I don't have any friends. I'm unanointed, I break agreement with those things in the name of Jesus Christ. And I declare that you are worthy, that you are a champion, that you are loved that you are destined and called to do what God is calling you to do. God, we can't change where we are, but we can change where we go. I pray for a shift in our souls. God, I pray for those that feel lonely. Lord, let community come. God, that people that feel prideful, let it fall off. Let humility come. Let us be more vulnerable with each other. The Bible says when we confess our sins to one another and pray we get healed, God, I pray that every person would get into community this Christmas season. Friendships, connect groups, prayer meetings, serving teams, whatever it is, God, I pray that we would all have our midnight moment where everything shifts, where our very being shakes into the core of our soul. Lord, I pray that every person in this building right now would would feel the love of God, would feel joy and peace. But it all starts with love, that they would feel your love for them. You're proud of them for hanging in there, hanging tight, and Jesus, I thank you that whom the sun sets free is free indeed, and I cancel any assignment of the devil against these people. I- cancel every scheme and plan. I tear down every structure that has been built in our brains that is unhealthy. In Jesus' name, and I declare brains come into alignment with the will of God. In Jesus' name, souls come into alignment with the will of God, and let peace and love and joy be your portion. In Jesus' name, everybody said. Amen. Come on, shout to God like you just got set free. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. One more quick thing while you're still standing. If you've never given your life to Jesus, that is the beginning of soul prosperity. Without him, how do you even handle any of this stuff that we deal with in this world? So if that's you, can you lift your hand if you've never, and you're saying today, I want to. God bless you, man. Proud of you, man. Anybody else? Thank you. Thank you. Why don't we all just pray this prayer? Maybe there's some of you that that have never invited him in. Maybe there's some that just feel really far apart and you want to kind of rededicate. Let's all pray this prayer. Say, dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for sending Jesus to die on a cross. Father, today, I invite Jesus into my life and I ask that you would help me live a prosperous life in every area. That my soul would come alive. This, today I declare that I'm saved, that heaven is my home, that God is my Father. In Jesus' name, Amen. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our locations, team, and what we do here at Awakened Church, go to awakenedchurch.com.